It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Wanna make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. what's up guys we are back as promised i told you i would be back once a week really making the effort i was i was gonna do one friday night after the first round i was extremely tired um we'll get into a little bit of that i had a very long day of work thursday and it carried into friday it's just pretty tired kind of glad i didn't uh because we can talk a little bit about some second round stuff um, but yeah, so today we'll get into the draft, talk about the big stories. We're going to start off with Lamar stuff here in a second. Um, but yeah, overall, we'll talk about my favorite picks, um, just some overall big storylines and then, yeah, that'll be the show. Well, I'm going to be putting out my rookie rankings. I'm going to have like a top 50, I think for dynasty Superflex. That's going to, I'm going to try to get that out some point this week. I've, I got like the first 36 I gotta filter through the last fourteen and see how I want to do those. We'll see how that goes. But overall, that's what we're doing today. That's what we got coming this week. So let's go. All right. So we'll start off. I want to start off talking about the Lamar extension because I feel like it kind of it happened like three and a half, four hours before the draft started. So I think it might just kind of how the weekend went. It kind of got pushed under the rug a little bit. I think. Um, but yeah, no, we'll get into that. Cause it's obviously as a Ravens fan, it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, so the Thursday of the draft, like the first night I had the craziest day of work ever. I was on the phone all afternoon trying to get some, I was working on this project, had to get some data so I could put together this report. Um, but you know, we weren't able to get the data. It was, it was this whole big thing. We had to Things had to be escalated, all this different stuff. It was ended up working out well. You know, we did a good job. But, you know, you know, this, this was a report for a pretty high-ranking official. Not trying to toot my own horn here, but, you know, just I'm working on, you know, some big stuff over at the real job. Um, but, yeah, so I'm just – it was very hectic, and I'm doing all this stuff. And at one point during all this, I check my phone, and I see that Jay Glazer tweeted that, there's the there's some serious progress being made with the Lamar negotiations, and I'm like, brush it off. I'm just like, whatever, you know. This I see a tweet like this every other week. It's either oh, you know, they're not making progress. They are making progress. Here's the numbers. This number. This that number. I I just at this point I just couldn't care less. I'm just like whatever. Like I got bigger things to worry about. Then we get the rap sheet tweet that deal's done. Like Lamar is a Raven, and again I am so busy at this point that I'm just like. So I just looked at it, and honestly, I, part of it, I might just not even believed it because it's been two years of this back and forth, not knowing. And now I just see it, and I'm just like, yeah, great, whatever. I just put the phone down and get back to work. It wasn't until, like, a couple hours later that I was, like, on the phone with one of my buddies who's a Ravens fan. Shout out, Jacob. Hope you're listening, buddy. Um, we're, we're, like, on the phone talking about it, and it finally just hits me, like, 
Lamar Jackson just signed an extension. Like we've been waiting on this for multiple years and it finally happened. You know, it's just, it was a glorious day in Baltimore. The real numbers, it was 260 million, 185 guaranteed, five years. You can tell me about the money. You can say you overpaid. Money is not an object when it comes to this deal. Lamar Jackson's a Raven. The market is the market. I'm very happy he got done. I'm happy for him. I'm happy with the team. Um, obviously, just the whole thing. I'm just, I'm just super stoked about. And just, obviously, it's a win for Lamar. You know, he gets paid. You know, he wanted to get paid. He should, he deserves to be paid. All that stuff. But overall, I think it's this is a massive win for the Baltimore Ravens because you just look at obviously having a player of Lamar's ability is just incredible. You always want guys like that on your team, especially you know, the way he works, all that different stuff. But just looking at the AFC going forward, you got Mahomes, you got Allen, you got Burrow, you got Herbert, you got Trevor Lawrence, and now you have Aaron Rodgers too. You just got traded to the Jets. Then you have these young guys who, you know, it's up in the air. We'll see what happens. You got Kenny Pickett, who's who played well down the stretch. I hate to say it as a, you know, Steelish hater. Um, then Thursday night in the draft, including Friday a little bit too, Stroud got picked second, Richardson got picked fourth, and then Levis went in the early second round. And then after that, you got some other guys. They're talented. Got some question marks. You know, Deshaun Watson. We'll, we'll see if he can get back, you know. Not in We'll see what goes on with him. I don't. I don't want to, you know, say that he he sucks now, but I think he might suck now. Um, same thing with Russell Wilson. You know, he's got Sean Payton, who could hopefully revitalize his career, but it didn't look good last year. And then Tua, who he's great when he's healthy, but then again, he's considered retirement this offseason. So those three guys, it's kind of up in the air a little bit. But you count all of those guys. That's thirteen teams that either have their answer at quarterback or are going to try to convince themselves that they, they do like Miami's telling themselves like, yeah, we we're good. Like Cleveland's, you know, forcing themselves to say like, well, we've got, it kind of has to be the answer. So you just look at the AFC is just absolutely loaded. And meanwhile, it's like the NFC, you know, that number of teams that's either good or, Telling themselves they're good. It's like closer to five or six. Like Hurts, definitely. You got Dak. Daniel Jones just signed. You got Bryce Young. And I, I think you th- you throw Derek Carr in there just because he's in the first year of a four-year deal. And then you, you got Justin Fields as well, who, you know, again, we'll see. Probably falls closer into the talented question marks or the, or the young guys. I mean, either one. But after that, you got, you got guys like Cousins. You got guys like Geno who, I mean, realistically, they can get out of that deal you know, within the next year or two pretty easily. And then the Cardinals are just openly tanking for Caleb Williams. Like they can go to all the Kyler Murray statue unveilings that they want to. You're tra- you're trading out. You're picking up all these picks for next year. You're, you're, you are putting yourselves in a position to get Caleb Williams. I guess the point, the point of that is just looking at the AFC compared to the NFC and just how you have to build your roster. You have to have, you have to have a good quarterback in the AFC. Like the median talent level in the AFC is the second or third best quarterback in the NFC. Like if I'm looking at it, like Trevor Lawrence is like sixth in the AFC, he would be without a doubt, the second best quarterback in the NFC. So, I mean, I would, I liked to throw around early in the off season when Lamar requested the trades, like, Oh yeah, just, Golf and two first, and like let's just roll. We'll win ten games, but that's just not how it works, you know. 
now that we have Lamar locked up, I, you, I feel so much better about the outlook of the 2023 Ravens than I did a week ago, just because now when you have a player of Lamar's caliber, the ceiling is exponentially higher. You know, looking at this 2023 Ravens team, if we're going to talk about their outlook, I'm going to put this under the condition of them adding another corner. They drafted a guy. Um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name just because I don't want to butcher it. Um, he's a fourth round pick. I believe he's actually, a, it's like, he's a, got a deal with Microsoft. He's creating a video game. Sounds pretty sweet. I might have to buy it. Um, but yeah, under the condition that the Ravens add another corner, like a veteran, like a Rockison or Marcus Peters, I'm fully prepared to say that the Ravens have at least the second or third best roster in the AFC. I don't think I don't even think it's that close because you give the nod to the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come out here and say we're better than, than the Chiefs, but I find it hard to believe that there's more than one other team better than us in the entire conference. You look at offense. You you so you shore up the thing with Lamar. Perfect. Good job. This year you're going to have healthy running backs. You're going to have J.K. Dobbins. You're going to have Gus Edwards. You can. You can knock J.K. Dobbins. The dude averages like six yards carry. He's he's a beast. You get healthy Rashad Bateman. Again, before any slander, Bateman had three healthy games last year. If you take his averages from those games, put that through a whole season, he's a 1,300-yard double-digit touchdown guy. I I still very much believe in him as a player. I think he's had bad luck with some injuries. I don't think it's like – I even like long-term like nagging stuff too. It's like he had a groin thing and then he had a foot thing. Like, I don't think that he's, these are stuff. It's just been a little unlucky. You had OBJ. We never really talked about it just because I took like a month off, but at worst with Odell Beckham, you just look at that deal. Like it's a $15 million kicker that had to be thrown onto the Lamar deal. Like I, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to complain about having Odell if, you know, best case scenario, if he's the player that he was in the playoffs for the Rams, perfect. Like, that's all we need. We need four for 52 and maybe a touchdown every week. Just him making big plays during the course of a game, you know, bringing on some of the young guys, teaching them some stuff. Perfect. That's all we need. And then you talk about the draft pick they made uh, Thursday night to get Zay Flowers. I, If you've listened to the show and you've kept up with my stuff, you know that I'm not just saying this because he's now a Raven. Zay Flowers has been my favorite receiver throughout this entire process. Everyone uses the Steve Smith comp, which I had never, honestly, I hadn't heard up until the draft when Steve Smith was talking about him. And they were like, yeah, he reminds me of you a little bit. But um, I, I honestly saw like Antonio Brown when I watched him play. Just chippy, runs great routes, he's fast all this different stuff. He had one of the worst quarterbacks in college football throwing it to him. Like I, when you watch those games, that dude thought he was Mahomes and he was, he was closer to Jackson Mahomes than Patrick. Like that dude was terrible. And either way, just Ravens, they add another weapon, throw him in a slot. He loves to block. That was something I saw when I watched him, which is something that the Ravens are always going to value. So you get through those three receivers. Plus you still have Andrews. You throw in, you know, Aguilar, Duvernay, Isaiah Likely, who, you know, he would start for a lot of teams, I would I would assume. And you basically, this offense is on paper is the best it's been since 2019. You know, you, I don't think that you have, it's not the Bengals where you're going to have two guys that could go for 1,200 yards, but they have four guys who realistically, could they get all, all get 700, 800? 
Could we have four guys where it's pretty evenly distributed? Yeah, I think that could be the case. You get a better passing offense with Todd Munkin. I think this team is going to – this offense is going to be explosive. It's going to be maybe not on the level of that 2019 team just because they ran the ball so effectively, but I think it's going to be a more balanced offense. And then you look at the defense. Um, again, under the condition that they had a corner, I think there's a world where they bring back Marcus Peters. I think it would have to be a pretty cheap deal, but sounds like nobody else is really offering him right now. Um, you look at the defense just post week nine when Roquan Smith showed up. They were fifth in EPA per play, expected points added. Um, they were sixth in sacks, and they're also going to be adding David Ajabo, who, if Ajabo doesn't tear his Achilles at his pro day, is he like a top 12 pick in the draft? Like he fell to the Ravens at like 45. And I think he's like, he had a sack in the week 18 game last year against the Bengals. Showed a little bit. He hasn't played a lot just because, you know, it's an Achilles injury. Like you're not going to rush him back from that. Um, they'll, they've always been good at adding vets. Like there's a world, Justin Houston comes back. They'll get another guy, you know, probably mid or mid June, just bring along. Um, you know, they added very well-respected offensive linebacker coach, Chuck Smith. Um, a lot of people were excited about when they made that move, get him in there with Owe and Ajabo. I think both of those young guys will benefit as well. Excuse me. Um, we'll get a full season from Marks Williams, hopefully. Kyle Hamilton takes a step. People are going to get hurt, obviously, but I think the team is very deep. I think they'll be able to do some – I think they're going to be able to do real stuff. And just when I talk about them being one of the two or three best rosters, I think that this team is now built to compete with the better quarterbacks because you look at what they did last year. They played Burrow three times. Burrow only had three negative EPA per play games. Like his EPA per play was only negative three times last season. All three of those games were against the Ravens. Like the first time the Ravens played him, Lamar was terrible and they still squeaked out a win. And then the last two times they obviously didn't have him. Then you look at even when they play Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen completed like 52% of his passes. It was one of his worst games of the season in week four. So, you know, it's maybe I'm just doing the fan thing, but I love where the roster's at right now. I think they did a really good job filling all the needs they had. Um, they even they even picked up a linebacker in the third round who is very fast. It'll probably be a Patrick Queen replacement if we're being real. Like Queen's probably on the team this year, and then we'll see what happens. Um, I think it's going to come down to health in the regular season. If they can stay healthy, I think they could easily win the division. Um, and then once they get to the playoffs, it's going to be on Lamar because frankly, you know, he's making two hundred sixty million dollars right now. And you look at the guys that make that much money, your Mahomeses, your Hertzes, your Allens. We've seen those guys on the biggest stages compete and go toe-to-toe. Like we saw it two years ago with Allen and Mahomes in that crazy – was that – yeah, that was the divisional game. You know, with the thir- that was the 13-second game. We saw it last year in the Super Bowl, Mahomes and Hertz. Hertz is, you know, trading blows with Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, can I do I think that Lamar can compete on that level? I think so because we've – you know, not in the playoffs, but we, I've seen Lamar go back and forth with Mahomes and beat him. He did it last, not this past season, but the year before in week two. Um, I think his playoff woes are a little overblown. Like the first season, he was still a major project. He was nowhere close to being a finished product. Um, the Titans game, there was like seven drops in the first half. They just kind of fell behind the eight ball. And then the Bills game, you get like insane wins. He also got hurt. Um, I'm kind of making excuses at this point. But what I'm saying is I think he can compete on that level. Again, I'm excited that he's back. It's it's probably one of the best 
the, as a Ravens fan, I think Ravens fans will be able to relate with the past two years have just been so traumatic and just stressful day in, day out. Every single time he tweets something, every little report you hear, it's just been this big cloud that hovers over. It's like, even like you would win, like there would be game days where we would win. It's just like, it's like, well, that's great, but it's like our quarterback isn't signed. So now he is. I'm excited for this Ravens team in 2023 and in 2024 and 2025 and 2026 and 2027. And we'll, once we get there, hopefully we get another five years. So again, Mars, my probably my favorite athlete of all time. And it's just, it's, I'm psyched to have him. Okay. So I wanted to hit on some big picture draft stories next. First one being Houston going, picking it two and then trading back up to three. And, you know, frankly, when I, I thought Houston was going to punt on quarterback this year, I thought if you're D'Amico Ryans, you're coming in, you know, why are you starting your clock on with a quarterback when the roster has just way too many holes to actually compete in the next year or two? Figure, you know, just build the roster and then you bring in the quarterback later. That was my thought. They end up taking Stroud, which, you know, is fine. He's going to bring some stability to that position that they have not had since pre-massage therapy to Sean Watson. So, you know, I wasn't upset with that pick. Not what I would have done, but it just they – that's who they took, and that's fine. Then they traded up to three, and they took Will Anderson, who I had them taking at number two in my mock draft. They traded – you know, obviously they traded 12. They traded second. They traded their first – next year and then i think another pick somewhere in there too everybody lost their minds about them trading at first next year and i'm not i'm not there i'm not that upset about it because you look at the the main reason that everyone's mad is they're like oh well it's not that it's that's not the value that you trade to go up to get an edge rusher like if the texans took willie anderson too and then trade up for stroud are we having the same conversation or is everybody like, Oh, you can't give up that for a court. Like, no, it just, they got the best edge rusher and the second best quarterback in this draft class for those picks. Like that's just the value that they get, gave up to have both of those guys, the order of how they did it. I don't really think matters. Like, you know, they're, you're going to have the faction of people. It's like, Oh, well, why wouldn't you just suck? And then use that pick next year to take Caleb Williams. It's like, well, like, you can't guarantee that you're only going to win two or three games next year. That's just not how it works. Like, you know, if, and even if you do like suck again and you win four games or five games, cause I think they will be better. I think D'Amico's a much better coach than Lovey Smith. I think that the roster is going to just naturally get better. The more, you know, young players that they draft, and, you know, drafting high like they do. So, I mean, like, even if you're win four or five games, you get like the third or fourth pick. It's like, those teams ahead of you aren't trading out. Like it's going to be like Arizona and somebody else that probably doesn't have a good quarterback. So it's like, why would they trade out and give you, get you like, just hand you Caleb Williams or hand you Drake may. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I was, I was pretty comfortable with them doing it. Just take the quarterback, get the known quantities, because then you look at another reason they might've said, Oh, let's go trade up and get Will Anderson. They might've looked at the edge rusher class next year and just been like, yeah, I'm good. 
Like I'd rather I'd rather just go get Willie Anderson because you know something like that's something that scouts do. They look ahead, they prioritize certain positions where if they see that you know next year the class is pretty weak, they'll try to you know load up now. That's something like again I'm not trying. This is turning into a Ravens Homer pod, but it's something that like I think they ended up like in retrospect they did very well last year in free agency in the draft because you look at like the two class, two positions that were very weak this year. Number one was safety. It was a very weak safety class. What'd they do? They signed Marcus Williams. They drafted Kyle Hamilton. Another position that was pretty weak this year was middle linebacker. They traded for Roquan Smith last year with their second round pick. So they looked ahead and they saw, oh, well, these positions, not the best. Let's go ahead and go get our guys now. And, you know, they could have looked, the Texans could have looked at Will Anderson this year and said, we don't like the guys that are coming in next year. We don't think that anybody is going to be as good as them. We have a chance to get our guy right now. Let's just go ahead and do it. So overall, I was a fan of it. Also, the, the Texans still have the Browns first round pick next year, which probably isn't going to be, you know, a top five pick, but it'll, I don't think the Browns going to be that good. So we'll see what happens there. Um, next thing, Will Levis just falling out of the first round. I watched Will Levis. I, I actually liked him. I thought he was a good player. I thought that he kind of got a bad rep this year. He was hurt. He had a terrible OC. Um, thought he had a strong arm. It's pretty accurate. He could work on the touch a little bit, but that's the case with a lot of the young guys. Good athlete. Overall, I thought he was I thought he was Matt Stafford. I was pretty shocked when he fell out of the first round, especially given the incentive that these teams get having the fifth round or fifth year option with these quarterbacks. However, it sounded like the Chiefs didn't want to trade out. It sounds like the Eagles didn't want to trade out. They both had guys that they wanted to take at the end of the first round. So if you're Tennessee, you know, why would you overpay going to get them at 26 when you could take them at 34 like they did? So it's a smart move by Tennessee. They, they don't get the option, but at the end of the day, if he's the guy, you're not going to really care that much about paying them a year early. Um, but looking at Tennessee now, and just looking at some of the stuff they did, I think there's going to be some pretty tangible pressure on Mike Vrabel going forward the next year or two. I don't necessarily know all the details about what happened between him and John Robinson and the owner and stuff like that, but clearly there was some sort of power struggle. And Vrabel won, and he got Mike or John Robinson fired. The team is experiencing major turnover. They already traded A.J. Brown. They cut Taylor Lewan. You know, Tannehill's probably got a year left. I think Henry might have a year, maybe two. We'll see what happens with him. But overall, it's like they were able to just kind of kick around everybody in that division for the past couple of years just because it was a bad division. Like, I wouldn't say that they were – Tennessee was world beaters. They had a good roster, but I wouldn't say – they weren't They weren't the Chiefs. They weren't the Bills. Now you look at the division. They, Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. They're ready to go. They're, they're favored this year. They're going to – they're going to make some noise. They gave Chiefs a little bit of a hard time in the playoffs last year. And then, you know, Texans and Colts just drafted their guys. Meanwhile, Tennessee's kind of in no man's land. Like, Vrabel's from the Belichick mold. I don't think he's ever going to tank a season. I don't think that he's he's too good of a coach to lose 14 games. So now it's – but at the same time, it's like what good is it for them to win eight or nine and just be middle of the pack and – try to squeak out a seven seed. I mean, we talked about it earlier. The AFC is just absolutely loaded. Like right now off the top of my head, 
I got the Chiefs, Ravens, Bengals, however you want to do it. Bills, Dolphins, again, however you want to do that order. Um, Chargers. So that's six right there. I'm I'm forgetting somebody. And then, I mean, honestly, you probably throw in the Jets after that just because they got Rodgers. I mean, that's seven teams right there. That's not including, you know, if Sean Payton turns around Russell Wilson, the Broncos get good. That's not including the jump I think the Steelers are going to make. It's not including, I mean, the like the Patriots are going to win at least seven, eight games. Like, that's just what they always are going to do. So it's like, I don't think the Titans can make the playoffs with the currently constructed roster. I think the ship has sailed on moving Tannehill. I think nobody's going to be really going after him right now. I would have, if I was the Titans, what I would have tried to do is see what we had with Willis, see what we had with Will Levis. That's pretty funny that it's Willis and Will Levis. Okay, sorry. Um, but overall, just see what they have. And then, you know, if one of them's good, you can go into the future with that. If they suck, guess what? You're going to be pretty picking pretty high. So, I don't know. I just don't understand the direction of Tennessee right now. I think that there's there's just a lot to be desired with their roster. And I think if – I mean, what happens if they just – if Jacksonville just starts running that division and they don't have a quarterback for the next couple of years? They're going to be in a kind of similar spot as the Colts. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. And then the last kind of big thing I wanted to talk about was just the Lions running back room. This is more of just a fantasy topic, but they draft Jameer Gibbs 12th overall, which is certainly a reach. A lot of those, a lot of the mocks I saw had him going like 28 to 31 in a lot of the, in a lot of cases. Um, looking at their other picks though, honestly didn't have a terrible draft. Like, Bet it was pretty funny. Ben Solak tweeted a picture of if you took their first five picks and just rearranged the order, the draft actually looked a lot better just based on the value that they had. But I mean, either way, you'd think that with every pick they made, that they just, you know, Micah Parsons and Justin Jefferson fall to them because they just like are chest bumping and just a lot of bro activity in that uh in that boardroom. But yeah, so you know. When the Gibbs pick happened, I was pretty upset. I thought David Montgomery was cooked. I was I'm a big David Montgomery stand this year. I think he's gonna be really good. Um, but yeah, I thought with that pick with Gibbs, Swift, Montgomery, it was just going to be a nightmare scenario. Then the Lions traded Swift to the Eagles on Saturday. And it became clear to me what the Lions idea was and what their direction is going to be. They're going to try to create a better version of the running back group that they had last year. Trade made it clear they don't really like DeAndre Swift. They didn't really that front office regime didn't draft him. They obviously didn't write, like how he ran, which was pretty obvious in hard knocks. I don't know how I didn't see it, but whatever. Um but yeah, they pick up Gibbs who does a lot of similar stuff, but probably just a better version of DeAndre Swift. And then you look at David Montgomery, it's the same thing. He's going to be a more effective version of Jamal Williams, more explosive, but he can do all the short yardage stuff, goal line scenario stuff. So now that I've, you know, had some, what, 48 hours, 48, 72 hours to sit, digest those picks, I still am a very much believer in David Montgomery. I'm also more of a believer in Gibbs than I would have been with Swift on this roster. So I think both of them are going to be very good players in 2023. 
All right, really quickly, I just wanted to roll through some of my favorite picks from the past couple rounds, or mainly the first round. I, I think I threw a second guy in there. Um, first pick, probably my favorite pick, was Dalton Kincaid, the Buffalo. Um, I comped him to a, quote, build a Travis Kelsey kit a couple of months ago. I think when you put him in a high-volume passing offense like the Bills, I think it's just an absolute perfect fit. I think he immediately becomes their second-best weapon on offense. He had some back concerns, but if he is healthy, I think he is going – we might see a rare fantasy-relevant tight end or fantasy-relevant rookie tight end, excuse me. So I'm really excited about Kincaid. He was my favorite tight end. Going to the Bills, I think that's a perfect spot. Um, second guy, I mean, Bijan. Well, I'm going to talk about Bijan more and more and more, so just get used to it. But I had him going there in my mock draft. For all the nerds complaining about taking a running back in the top 10, just shut up. It's not cool. It's not fun. This is how the Falcons want to build their offense. They want to like do stuff similar to how they had it in Tennessee. You know, you have your AJ Brown. You have you know a great running back in Derrick Henry. They want to kind of rebuild that. They have Drake London. They have Kyle Pitts. Now they have Bijan Robinson, who is going to be so so damn good. I I think now I feel confident enough, and I feel like I have enough ammo to put him as my RB one for fantasy, not just in dynasty in redraft. I'm I'm. I think we're there. I like I said it in one of the first pods that I think that by the time the season starts, I would have him at RB1. I think we're good now. I think Atlanta's committed enough to the run game and have one of the most run-heavy schemes. They have a pretty decent offensive line. They The draft capital is there, which is something that like, you see on Twitter now a lot. A lot of people are very invested in like the draft capital of guys and like when they come out, it's actually pretty interesting stuff, but you know, I'm really excited for Bichon. I think he's going to be just absolutely incredible. Um, next guy, Anthony Richardson landing in Indy was really good for him. Um, it kind of puts him on the Jalen Hurts track that everybody likes to say with Shane Steichen, um, the running game with him and Jonathan Taylor. Good God. Good luck. Um, I think it's also a good thing for Chris Ballard. I think he's gotten a lot of heat the past couple of years for just not, drafting a quarterback, just cycling through like your Wentz's, your Matt Ryan's, your Phillip Rivers. But it's like, he said this, it's just because you need a quarterback doesn't mean that you should just take one that you just take one. Like if you don't like the guy, why would you take him? Like, that's why I'm a little, like, I, I think the Stroud thing will be okay, but I think there's a lot of pressure from the owner. I think that's part of the reason why they made that pick. So, I mean, it's a similar thing. It would have been like if Atlanta, they just were like, yeah, like we need a quarterback. Like, let's just take Levis. Like, we're not in love with him, but we we need a guy. It's like you can, instead of doing that, you could build a roster, do all this other stuff. Because, you know, look at the roster that Anthony Richardson's coming into with Indy. It's pretty solid. Like, he's going to have a team. Like, they could, if he hits, they could be competitive fairly quickly. So, I, I love the Anthony Richardson pick. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be good, a lot better than people think, a lot faster than people think. Um, next, I I mean, the Eagles just basically – I heard somebody call it uh, Georgia Graduate School. It's just like they just take all the best players from the best team in college, which makes sense if you think about it. I think there's no better place for Jalen Carter to land. Um 
you, you can't be in a room with guys like Jalen Hurts, Fletcher Cox, Devontae Smith, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, like Darius Slay, like all those dudes, and just not be a good, like a mature person. Like they're not going to put up with that. Like that's just not going to happen. Like I think that's the best environment for him to have gone to get the most out of the player that he is. And then you look at like Nolan Smith. I mean, I saw him being mocked in the top 10 and the Eagles got him to 30. Like I, I wouldn't have hit if the Ravens took him at 22, I wouldn't have hated it, but you know, he's a similar player in the sense of like size to Son Reddick. They have experience of getting a player of that archetype, the most out of a guy like that. So, I mean, they do that. They get Keely Ringo. I mean, they trade for DeAndre Swift. I mean, that team's going to be, that that team's going to be stacked next year. It honestly, it. I'm trying to think of it like. There's there's definitely been a team, and it might have been the Packer. Mm-hmm. No, it, it just feels like one of these teams that's just loading up, and we'll see what happens. Like on paper, this team is the best in the league. It's not. I don't even really think it's close. Um, and then finally, you look at uh, Devon Witherspoon and JSN in Seattle. I mean, those Devon Witherspoon was my favorite cornel. I just said favorite cornhole. No, he's my favorite corner. And then JSN, he wasn't my favorite wide receiver, but he fits what they need to do like very well. Um, Lockett's getting up there in age, so eventually they're going to need a replacement for him. But right now, he's very fits in very well with what they want to do. He's going to be able to dominate just over the middle of the field. I think he's probably just going to be a better real life player than fantasy for the first couple of years. That would be my guess. But again, Seattle, they've been knocking it out of the park the last couple of years as well. And then one guy that I think could be sneaky, very good is Jonathan Mingo with the Panthers. Because I think when I, for some reason, I always get excited when you have a highly drafted quarterback and a highly drafted receiver just kind of come in together learn, grow, do all that stuff. I mean, you look at the fact that the Panthers don't really have any, I mean, they have Thielen, they have DJ Chark, but if Mingo pops as a second round pick, he could get a very high target share very quickly. And I think he could end up being pretty good. So those are some of my favorite picks. Um, I'm not going to, we, I talked about Zay Flowers earlier, but again, love that pick. Um, But yeah, so that was the show. Try to have the, Top 50 rookies for Dynasty Superflex out by the end of the week, hopefully. Um, so we'll get that out. And then I'll probably, I'm going to start trying to do some more Twitter threads. I think that's going to be something I try to get into more. Um, I see that a lot. A lot of people do those. Maybe I can start making some graphs. Do some fun stuff, you know, really get try to get creative. I We'll see what happens there. A lot of room to operate, a lot of room to grow. Um, hopefully you guys stay to the end. Appreciate all of you listening. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen. Five stars if you love it. Four stars if you don't. And uh, yeah, so have a great week. See you.